Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Tonight on Piers Morgan Uncensored, Her Majesty's final journey, the late Queen's coffin, makes its way to Buckingham Palace. Millions are expected to see her lie in state. Harry is banned from wearing military uniform at the vigil. Disgraced Prince Andrew can wear his full regalia. How can that be right? Plus, Ukraine punches back. Putin's war is in disarray, but how deadly will his counter-strike possibly be? Live from London, this is Piers Morgan Uncensored. Well, good evening. I'm Piers Morgan. It's going to be a very emotional night tonight as I speak. The hearse carrying the late Queen Elizabeth II is moving slowly from North Holt in West London to Buckingham Palace, of course, her world-famous residence. It'll be the last time that the Queen's body will ever be at the palace. She'll be there overnight, and then she'll be moved to Lion State. Members of the royal family are going to be at the palace to greet her, and she'll be arriving sometime in the next few minutes, and we'll, of course, bring you that news when we get it. But it's been a really moving day from the very morning that it all started up in Scotland, of course, where she'd been lying in state at St Giles's Cathedral in Edinburgh. She was then taken by the RAF by plane down to North Holt, and tonight her coffin will lie in rest in the Bow Room, where she greeted countless visiting heads of state. And tomorrow she'll lie in state at Westminster Hall, where millions potentially are expected to come and try to see her, many of them queuing overnight. Well, I'm joined now by Talk TV's political editor, Kate McCann, and Talk TV royal editor, Sarah Hewson. Let's start with you, Sarah. You're down there at Buckingham Palace waiting for what is going to be a truly historic and emotional moment, isn't it? This is the, the great queen, arguably the greatest of all queens, going back to Buckingham Palace, the sort of epicentre of the royal family to the world, uh, for the last time. Yes, and Piers, what's really striking as I stand here is how quiet it is. There is a huge crowd that has gathered to witness the Queen's final journey in through those famous gates of Buckingham Palace. And yet they are standing there in silence, umbrellas up, waiting quietly. They've been waiting for some time now, many of them queued for hours to get a position to see this moment in history. The atmosphere is incredibly sombre. I've been here throughout the week at Piers and the atmosphere has changed from day to day. But today, you just feel that mood has come down, that people are here in quiet reflection, waiting for this moment to say goodbye to the Queen. And she will shortly be driven through those gates of Buckingham Palace into her official London residence, that home that is so associated with the monarchy and the crown and the queen. And there she will rest in the bow room at Buckingham Palace until tomorrow, when at 2.22, she will make her way on a gun carriage slowly through the streets of London 
to Westminster Hall, to Lion's State, and allow more people to pay their respects. So, um, Sarah, I mean, I was coming into work here in, in Ealing in West London, and I couldn't work out why the traffic was so bad. And then I looked out, it was pouring the rain. I looked out and I just saw the streets were lined with people and police. And I suddenly realised this was the route from Northall into the centre of London, into Buckingham Palace. And there were so many people uh, and so many police and everyone was very quiet, everyone was very respectful, but it was chucking it down with rain. And it was a very poignant scene, actually, that so many people, so many of the Queen's subjects uh, were just waiting quietly. We're seeing now uh, live footage here, actually, of the hearse arriving at Buckingham Palace. This is Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. This is her final journey back to Buckingham Palace tonight. Uh, thousands of people there outside the palace waiting for this. And there is the hearse. And she'll be greeted, we understand, by all of the senior royals, pretty much. Her children and her grandchildren and their wives and I think uh, some nieces and nephews as well. Uh, and they'll be greeting this remarkable woman at the palace for the last time. And she'll spend the night there. And then tomorrow the public will get their chance to pay their respects, as the people in Scotland, of course, have been doing uh, the last two days. Uh, but it's, it's pretty poignant, this, isn't it? This is a remarkable moment involving this extraordinary woman. It's very hard not to be very moved by this. Before. Well, now the crowd are bursting into spontaneous applause as that hearse passed by. Um, it sent a shiver down my spine. It, it really is quite a moment. The atmosphere here, it's, it's hard to describe as that hearse drove through in, in the darkness, in the rain, and the Queen making her final journey. And, of course, there have been so many moments over the course of the past couple of days, from Balmoral to Edinburgh, today from Edinburgh to London, and now this journey from RAF Northolt to Buckingham Palace. OK, Sarah, well, listen, we'll, we'll, we'll keep a watch on home. that and we'll see what happens over the next uh, few minutes, see if we can see uh, that Hearst being met by members of the family. I want to go down to Kate McCann, who's in Westminster. Kate, obviously the Queen will spend this last night at her great palace and then tomorrow she'll move to Westminster Abbey where she will lie in state for four days. And some people have been queuing all day already just to get the chance to walk past and have their few seconds... Uh, a few feet away from Her Majesty. Well, what's it been like down there? Yeah, the mood in Westminster is a really interesting one. In some parts of Westminster, there is really frenzied activity preparing for what will be a huge influx of people who want to come and pay their last respects. And then at the queuing sites where people are already starting to set up those tents, some of them have gazebos, everybody kind of coming together in... Not quite a celebratory mood, but a sombre one, whilst at the same time knowing that what they are witnessing is a real moment in history. And they are, they are really incredible royal fans, the people who are already there. They are in the rain. It is pretty miserable. It's on the side of the river. There's not a lot down there. But there will be peers, because there is a huge plan to make sure that all those many thousands of people, maybe as many as a million who decide to queue over the next couple of days, will be well catered for. There will be loos down there. There'll be access to food and drink. You'll get a risk band if you want to leave that queue and the intention is to try and get as many people through as possible the atmosphere though inside westminster hall that incredible
arguably historic part of the palace will be still and crucially silent. You won't be allowed to take photos or videos and the palace is asking people to dress in sombre clothing to reflect really the sense of occasion that it will be inside that palace when people go and pay their last respects to the late Queen. Right, and Kate, um, meanwhile, our new king has continued his travels around the United Kingdom and today Northern Ireland. Um, that was a very significant trip, wasn't it? It was, and, and it's interesting that we are describing the mood at these occasions because we know what the ceremony looks like and we kind of know what some of the formalities are, but it's always the mood that's fascinating. And in Northern Ireland today... That was one of the things that everybody was holding their breath to watch because there has been such huge tension over time in that part of the world. And remember, the Queen played such a significant role in really trying to ease some of that pressure and tension in 2011 and 2012, shaking hands with Martin McGuinness, for example. Those were seen as crucial moments that she was really the only person who could, who could make those steps and move things forward. And that was really appreciated, that soft power, if you like. She didn't overstep. She made exactly the right move at exactly the right time. And I think there had been some tension trying to understand whether King Charles will be able to do the same thing. And so that warning today from the Stormont Speaker, Sinn Féin's Alex Maskey, essentially one which towed the line between saying, we welcome you here, we are very happy to see you, we support you and we share in your grief, but also just remember the tensions here and really how difficult it is to try and unite all parts. In what will be a difficult period, there is no Stormont Assembly at the moment. There is a key issue around Brexit and the Northern Irish Protocol, which is yet to be resolved. And King Charles, he's been there 40 times before, but of course never as king, his first visit, which set the tone today. He made it very clear that he recognised the power of the monarch, what his queen had done before him, and that he intends to follow in her footsteps. Kate McCann, thank you very much indeed. Well, I'm joined now by former newspaper editor Emily Sheffield, uh, Talk TV's legendary contributor, Adam Bolton, and the chair of the Confederation of British Industry, Lord Billamorian. Thank you very much indeed, uh, all of you, for coming. Lord Billamorian, let me start with you. You knew the royal family. You've known the Queen um, before she died. You've known the new king and his queen consort. What are your reflections on the last few days? Yes, I, I, just to clarify, I'm past president of the CBI. I've just completed I'm sorry, my please. term. Sorry. Uh, I, I've been very lucky. I, I, from my earliest, I was born and brought up in India, and my father was uh, uh, a commander-in-chief of the Central Army in India. When he was a young captain, he was ADC, aide-de-camp to the first president of India, Rajendra Prashad. And there are pictures of my house from my early memories, including now, if you go to my house, family house in India, of my father, my mother, with the Queen, with the Duke of Edinburgh, on the state visit in 1961. And little did I think that fast forward, and I would actually have the privilege of mm. not just meeting them, but meeting them many, many times and getting to know them, uh, and as well as uh, Prince Charles now, uh, King Charles III. And it's been extraordinary. I mean, it's been a, an amazing inspiration. One of the things that people don't talk about enough is uh, the, the devotion between the Queen and the Duke of Edinburgh. Mm. Uh, she used to refer to him as her rock. Yes. And I remember once coming out of the Zoroastrian Parsi community, which I'm a patron of here in the UK, one of the tiniest minority communities in the world, in Harrow. We went into the prayer room with the Duke of Edinburgh, had to take our shoes off. We came out of the prayer room, and we were both sitting next to each other, tying our sh shoelaces. And he turned around to me and said, you know, I've had these shoes from the day I was married. And that was the sort of sentimentality mm. that existed between the two of them. And sadly, he passed away last year. And um, very soon after that, 
you know, you saw her starting to use a walking stick. And, yeah, I, I don't you know, think she ever really recovered from losing um, Philip, actually. So I, I've written a column for The Sun tonight about Prince Charles... Uh, I keep saying this. Everyone does, don't they? Uh, King Charles III. About, I've rarely seen any public figure rise to such momentous occasion, I don't think, in the way that he does. And as always, you write a column like that and it certainly it, it will stand the test of time. But there was a moment today which I think just showed that underneath this exterior which he's putting on is a man that's just lost his, the mother that he loved, coming so soon after the father that he loved, under enormous pressure to hit the right tone and hit it running as our new monarch. And there was this moment where he went to sign uh, an official document today with his ink pen. And this is how he reacted. What is it? Is it September 12th? 13th, sir. Oh, God, in the wrong date. 13th? Yes, sir. You saw the 12th earlier. Oh, God, I hate this. Oh, look, it's going everywhere. Hang on. Is anybody going to try it? Where is the land? I mean, this is for CBS News, this footage. I mean, I was surprised that we get to see that, actually. I think he should have been better protected. But it was an insight just into behind the, the, the veneer is a man who's under enormous pressure, both personally and professionally. Well, yesterday I was privileged to be in Westminster Hall mm. that was just being spoken about. There's 900-year-old mm. hall, one of the oldest parts of this country. Mm. I mean, along with Windsor Castle and the Tower of London, uh, you have Westminster Hall and Westminster Abbey. These are the ancient parts of our country. And he spoke about that and how much it meant to him mm. and with all of us, lords and members of parliament over there. And you could see how moved he was. Mm. And actually, I saw a photograph today which showed that he was in tears um, during, during that occasion. But, Emily, that little snapshot there of him slightly losing his temper about a faulty pen, I just thought it just showed us that beneath all this, there must be a torrent of emotions raging inside this new king. I'm sure, because he's, he's probably also exhausted. Yeah. Um, what I was interested to get more detail on today, which was George Bush's daughter was over to interview him. Mm. Um, sorry, was interview over here to interview the new Queen consort. And clearly they were not expecting the Queen to pass away, where my reading had slightly been that because our King had been with her all week, mm. that they were concerned. So I think this really did come as a shock. I don't think they were expecting... So he will also be suffering still from the shock. And you don't... Eat, I imagine the amount that he's having to deal with and present himself, mm. the speeches, becoming king, I doubt he's had any time to... I, I don't like using the word process, but in a way, as you say, he's not... To properly grieve. He's I mean, not, how can they, he? He's they on haven't public... had yeah. much, and I am surprised... I mean, the world's cameras, Adam, aren't they? They're focused on this man now and his, his wife, Camilla relentlessly from the second they appear in public and they're having to appear in public all the time whilst going through what yeah. I would imagine is pretty intense grief. Well, I, I agree with that, but on the other hand, the reason why the world's cameras are there is because, as the Queen said, you need to be seen that these rituals that they're going through visiting uh, the four nations of the country are important in terms of establishing the monarch as uh, the head of state uh, of all the United Kingdom. And, you know... I'm afraid my reaction looking at that footage, and I know 
all the pressures that mm. you've mentioned and all the undoubted genuine grief is my reaction is the Queen wouldn't have behaved like that. Right. And she, well, she, 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 she would have made a joke of it. And, and Well, and she probably wouldn't have actually had that happen in front of a camera. I mean, that's the thing I'm surprised that well, he's not no, been better no, no, protected. No, these signing ceremonies mm. are part of the whole deal. I right. mean, that's, that's why they're taking place. I mean, we saw... I don't know whether Lord Bernard Moria was there, but at the accession ceremony, everyone who was there... Yes. Signed a document in public and quite a lot. But of only CBS cameras were capturing that moment, and I'm just surprised we've been able to see it because it does show a moment away from what we're seeing. I mean, he loses. Yeah, but I, I, I mean, I'm afraid I do think these these, think inst- these instances, these off-camera moments, can be quite revealing. Yeah, about, about they can what, be. But I think we should really cut like. him some slack. I, I want to talk, uh, if I may, uh, Lord Billamore. There's this issue about how far do you go to show the Queen respect? in cancelling things. There's been a whole slew of things cancelled. The football was all cancelled at the weekend, but the cricket, the racing, the golf all went on and showed a respectful moment of silence and applause and then moved on, which I felt was the right way to handle it. Um, What do you think about this? Centre parks today, for example, have suddenly decided they're going to stop everything on Monday, on the day of the funeral, and remove every family who's on holiday there until they've got to leave which seems to me completely outrageous and the very last thing that Her Majesty would have wanted. What what has happened over here is you've got a figure that has sort of risen above all other people in the world in many ways for 70 Mm. years and you've got this individual's monarch of all monarchs, a queen of all queens, that is not just the most famous monarch in the world but the most respected. I mean, I've received messages from every corner of the world. So do you think Senator Parks were right? So I'm saying that... People, that, if you look at look at the sentiment that people are expressing, mm. look at the people have started queuing to pay respects in Westminster Hall from yesterday. I remember but yesterday when I example, went to swear my oath, I was told one of the peers said, "Do you realise people have started?" But when you have money. a massive holiday company with a load of people who pay good money, and they're told they have to leave all these parks around the country, I think that is a ridiculous but, way of supposedly well, showing the Queen respect. I, I think what you're seeing is is companies frankly, using as a bit of an excuse. I mean, I've I've had two of those, you know, those things when you phone up and you get a recorded message, Mm. two of them saying, oh, we can't get your message today because of the circumstances. And, you know, we know people, I think it was in Norwich, uh, closed bicycle parking spaces. Well, there's food food (laughs) banks in Wimbledon are being closed on Monday. And that caused outrage of people saying, well, let me get this straight. We're going to be shutting down food banks for the most desperate, hungry people in the country whilst at the same time the reason given is because there's a funeral for one of the, the richest people the in the The only world. thing I would say, and I don't know whether quite how it works out, mm. but rightly it's been called a bank holiday on Monday, mm. a, a day for everyone to show their respects. And I think some companies may have contractual things with their employees about them not being there at bank holidays right. and all that kind and of stuff. And also me... maybe not wanting to be accused of not allowing their employees yeah. to yeah. mourn their queen. Emily, I wanted to talk to you about um, Princess Anne, who put out a statement uh, just before we came on air saying how fortunate she felt to share the last 24 hours of my dearest mother's life. It's been an honour and a privilege to accompany her on her final journeys, witnessing the love and respect shown by so many on the show has been both humbling and uplifting. We will all share unique memories. I offer my thanks to each and every one who shares our sense of loss. And she then goes on to say that... um, she offers uh, very grateful for the support and understanding offered to her dear brother Charles as he accepts the added responsibilities of the monarch. To my mother, the Queen, thank you. I, I do think in many ways Anne is the most like her mother of all the other royals, actually. 
And watching her following her mother's hearse all around the country has been incredibly moving, I, I find, just watching... They're incredibly moving. I think if you hear anyone talking about the royals, Anne is the unsung heroine. Yes. Yeah. She's the hardest-working royal. The least celebrity She's chaser. the least celebrity. She works the hardest. She doesn't chase the media. Yeah. She's never got caught in any kind of scandal. Um, I mean, there may have been some when she was incredibly young, but it's... Been a few marriages. Been a few... Well, yeah. No, one marriage, now there's a second. I mean, and her, her children are, are exemplary. Mm. So I think a lot, of, a lot of people have a huge amount of affection for Princess Anne. She, she's... I mean, again, I've been again, lucky and privileged to see this firsthand. And her, her private secretary, who retired recently, he always used to say, I've got the hardest-working boss in the world. Yeah. And it was real. She worked... Really, yeah, I think she's totally a real that sense of well, beauty. And that, well, you say unsung. I mean, her title, the Princess Royal, was recognition, really. From, no, no, no. From I just don't think she ever role. gets the attention that a lot of the other no. royals get, and she should get more attention. Mm. I think she's been. I'm not sure she's that keen on this. No, no, no. I think that's right. Yeah, uh, Lord Billy Moore, Just quickly about the economy. Everything's on hold this week in terms of the economy, and yet we know that ticking away is a gigantic financial crisis, a huge energy crisis, a lot of uncertainty in Ukraine. We're going to talk about that a little later in the programme, where it seems like the Ukrainians are making moves against the Russians successfully, but what will that inspire from Putin in terms of retaliatory action? All this uncertainty will make things more difficult financially for this country. What state are we in? Well, actually, if you think about it right now, what's happened, it's unprecedented that last week you have a new prime minister and a new monarch in one week. Mm. And what a, what a test of a country to see how resilient you are, that we all come together and you have this amazing transition that is taking place now where we're all sad. But I mean, we, lo we love the right, Queen but, and but we're actually, all sad. Actually, but it, but, but actually, if anything, suspending everything for 10 days will make the economic situation underneath all this worse. And what this is showing is the advantage of having a monarchy. One of the biggest advantages of a republic yeah. is you have this continuity and somebody who's apolitical, objective... How does that help the economy? It helps the economy in a big way because you have this stability, this constance, this steadfastness through that figure. But that won't pay there. the bills, will it? It will help a lot. It helps our economy, it helps our country. The soft power, the soft power that the Queen mm. gave our country... But with your old priceless. CBI president hat on, how bad is the economic situation right now in this country? The economic situation is dire. I mean, the, the as bad as you've ever seen it. The energy crisis—it it is as bad because you've had two years of pandemic, then the sad war in Ukraine. It's crisis after crisis. Then the unsettlement of Brexit, which started in 2016. So for six years in a row, we've had challenges that we've had to cope with. Mm. Now I think the energy crisis—the good news is the government has said we're going to have a cap. For consumers, they've got a plan for businesses. The big issue is the government has realised now that they helped during the pandemic, £400 billion. I kept saying, don't stop. You need to keep helping consumers and businesses. You can't suddenly say, mm. I have no money. And Liz Truss is saying that she's... Do you think she's on the right track? Absolutely on the right track. Focusing on growth, focusing on incentivising investment focusing on now, saying, I'm going to help you, the cap of £2,500. These are all the right measures. Lord Billy Moore, great to see you today. Thank you very much. Uh, you guys are coming back a little later, I think, so stay with us. Uh, coming next, Prince Harry's been banned from wearing military uniform at this week's ceremonies, but disgraced Prince Andrew, apparently, will be allowed to at least one event. Is it fair? Should we care? Debating that with Prince Andrew's friend, Lady Victoria Hervey, and the author, Petronella Wyatt.
Welcome back to Piers Morgan Uncensored. What are your views about Prince Harry's treatment of his father, our new king, and of the royal family? His military service is beyond dispute. Ten years in the British Army, two tours of Afghanistan. He was a war hero, but Harry won't be allowed to wear military uniform A ceremonial events mark him the death of his grandmother, the late Queen. Prince Andrew, on the other hand, will be at at least one of the events, a vigil. The Duke will apparently don naval attire for her final vigil in Westminster Hall. He, of course, did serve in the Falklands War, but he also recently paid a woman he claims he never met up to $10 million to make a court case involving alleged sex abuse go away. So the unpopular prince can't dress up, but the disgraced duke can. You might be as bemused as me as to where the line is on this. I'm joined now by journalist Northrop Petronella Wyatt and socialite and aristocrat Lady Victoria, aristocrat Lady Victoria Harvey. Welcome to both of you. Might be the poshest panel I've ever had. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I'm called Piers and I'm the I'm least posh person here. Um, what do you think, Lady Victoria Bowes? I don't understand. Um, Look, personally, I've got no truck with Harry at the moment. So, he behaves well, like an imbecile most of the time. However, I don't, yeah. I don't begrudge him the right to wear a military uniform after 10 years serving his country. And unlike his uncle Andrew, yeah. he has not been involved in a really disgraceful scandal. But he, he did desert his country. You know, he left the country, yes. But he, he sort of decided he basically wanted to completely leave this country and go to America, which is the worst timing. Why do that when your grandmother is the queen and she is in her last years of her life? Like, yeah, but, but that's a have... different argument to me. Uh, okay. The argument is about... But, but why is he allowed? Well, why one, shouldn't, why one shouldn't... served 10 years, one served 20 years. Mm. Um, diff- I mean, I actually... One is disgraced be- and one has just behaved quite badly. I think actually both of them should be allowed to wear them because this is such a huge event and I think everything <sighs> should be put aside and they should both be able Petron, to use. what do you think? Well, um, first of all, nobody's actually got to the real point of this was... Whose decision was it? And I believe it was the Queen's yes, decision. Yes, of course it was the Queen. And um, this is what I'm hearing. Mm. Uh, technically, Harry cannot wear... It's actually against the law for Harry to wear military uniform. Against the law? Yes. You can look it really? up. Yeah, it's actually against mm. the law because he was stripped of all his military titles. And veterans, who are simply veterans, cannot wear military uniform. So my father, who fought in the First World War, could not have worn a military uniform. It was very interesting. When I, when I tweeted, I thought Harry should be allowed to. A lot of veterans actually did reply, saying he shouldn't. Actually. Well, technically, he shouldn't. That um, Andrew was not um, stripped of his military titles. He was sort of forced into a, retiring yeah. from him. But, um, but that's semantics, di- isn't it? Difference. That is semantics. I just think now, it sticks what, in the... I honestly what, think it's, what, it sticks in the gullet, yeah. I think, of most of the British people. What sticks in the gullet? That if Andrew's allowed to wear a uniform, why the hell can't Look, Harry? Look, what sticks in the gullet? That's the bottom I line. I do feel a little bit sorry for Harry, although, you know, it's a different circumstances... You know, Andrew, Prince Andrew did not desert his country and go and move to well, America. I, I, and Prince Andrew paid a woman country, he says he never three, met $10 supposed million. Where did you get, get $10 million of... from? This, that figure uh, is completely you keep made saying, up. You're the only person who says He's, it wasn't it was in Harry did not desert his country. That's a ridiculous He left to statement. America as his... That's not to say... He did they not did desert the army. But he Oprah, an interview When even I am defending Prince dying. Harry about something, okay, exactly. I mean, it must be pretty yeah. unprecedented. Piers and I are very, very anti-Harry and Meghan. Right. And, well, and the I've thing that upsets me most about this is the ammunition it will give to the Meghan right. brigade and all their but, mad but, Twitter supporters. But at the yeah. end and I think the story at the moment should be 
not I'm about green. trivial yeah. it's quarrels about uniforms, on but on unity and on grief. Oprah Winfrey popped up yesterday. Well, no, interview. because... Let me finish. Yeah. She popped up yesterday saying... She hopes that the family, that this, uh, the death of the Queen can now heal the rift I mean, in the royal family. And I'm like, she needs to stay you, away. I thought, are you kidding me? You're the one that she's started the, the rift. She is the reason. You enabled these well, two yeah, to yeah, go yeah, on national saying, television saying thing. and when, let them, without challenging any of their Prince statements, Philip was let them dying, spray gun the royal. When Prince Philip was dying in hospital, right. while he was literally dying, they did that interview. Yeah, well, they weren't aware that he was literally dying. They, but, of course they knew um, he was no, dying. They, they He's didn't. 99 but, years old in the yeah, hospital. Yeah, well, Come on. That, I, I think that's slightly irrelevant, but I do I think agree I'm, that... I'm yeah. more in Oprah's hypocrisy, where yeah. she says, but I hope they true. heal the rift. Well, Oprah, no. you did but nothing what I want to, to stop that evil. Quickly, it's not only Oprah's... She it, is it's American hypocrisy, because the assault on the Queen and the royal family itself is coming from the now radical left New York Times, yeah. which has hired a yeah, bunch of lefty English journalists to bash the Queen. To, to them. Um, but uh, nobody in this country is listening to them. Nobody. Oh, but what we don't want at this time are silly media stories about rifts within the royal family. Well, the problem is there are actually rifts in the royal family. There, when you saw the, are, when you see the four of them together in this right. footage we're looking at they, now, we all know that right this now, footage yeah. is misleading. There, there's uh, of no, course it is. There's they, no rapprochement between them. No, no, no William and Harry uh, hate each other's guts. Right. And let's be frank about Why it. Why did he tell you that? Um, I have sources right. who know, but uh, at the <clears> moment <throat> they certainly do. Um, is there any way back for Andrew into public life no, after what happened? absolutely not. You I, think there I, is? I think gradually. I don't think it's going to happen overnight. Um, gradually, but, but he'll be dead before it happens. It happens well, he's grad. not that old. Is he's he? not that old, but I can't like, see him. Why would he be dead? But should, should he, should he be no, allowed back? No, there's no public appetite. But, but, especially but how, how is someone like you, who's a journalist, how can a journalist go and tell someone in the royal family what to do? Like, what gives I'm you... Because well, we pay, we pay, <laughs> exactly. well, I'm paid to. Hang on, Victoria, Victoria. What gives you the right to tell... We pay for them. That's the right exactly. we have. Exactly. We right pay you, for them. But what you right pay taxes, you, got you pay for the royal family. I'm, I'm sick not. of people I'm just saying, saying what right so journalists to give their opinions. When, when a journalist can go, oh, well, he has to do this. Like, right. I'm don't, not. Don't I'm talk actually over each other. Here's on. my point. The reason we're allowed to say what we like about the royal family, actually, is because we all pay exactly. taxes here right. and that pays for them. They live off our money. So, right. of course, we're allowed to have an opinion about all of them. That's the whole point. That yeah. goes with the territory. My issue about Andrew is I think that Charles and William have decided there's no way back for him, certainly for a long yes. time. I, I think and that may be just the end of it. My, they won't let my, him appear in public. I, I think is because I stop have guessing. Have... Don't Can talk over each other. I'm trying. I, I want to tell you a story. Um, I mean, um, about eight, nine months ago, the Queen gave Andrew Lump some money uh, because she understood perfectly. Yes, he, he was one of her favourite children. But she understood perfectly that there's no future for him under King Charles. Mm. None whatsoever. Charles would never let him back. Um, William would never let him back. There's no return, which is why she wanted to make sure he was financially mm. secure. And what and about... There was okay. this love handed over. I'm sure that's I probably just, right. I just find it so fascinating how, like, people at newspapers seem to know every little detail and... 
it's people that job. actually. <laughs> no, I know, but it's like you. It's like so much it's of it called, is made up. So much, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so much of it is just like a little fantasy right. in your in your uh, head. No, it's not there's a, a fantasy okay, actually. It's, it's, it's all a fantasy. Fact. A lot of it gets a lot of it gets briefed by just people. Just like how the, how the amount that Virginia was supposedly paid, right. it went from ten million. Let's to be clear. They went to three million. Let's be clear. Andrew paid no Andrew knows. paid millions of dollars inarguably like to a woman he said he'd never met yeah. to make a civil case go away in which he was accused of sexually abusing her and that's why the british public doesn't want him back he paid millions of if dollars it was 3 million 3 million is not a lot of money to tell someone Victoria, to go away right now in the worst um, cost of living crisis this country's ever had I, I, saying sorry, 3 million dollars is not a lot of money no is tone deaf and not ruling the room right got to leave now. it there anyway okay guys I'll let's leave it there. change the subject thank you both very much right. indeed for joining me we're coming next uh, Ukraine defies the odds again with a massive counteroffensive. It's Putin's war and his regime now on the brink of collapse. Defence experts on both sides of the Atlantic have their say next. One of them warns we could be closer than ever to a nuclear strike. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Welcome back to Piers Morgan on Censor. The world's attention has quite rightly been focused on the late Queen. It's a momentous turning point in our history, in world history. But while our eyes have been temporarily averted, something extraordinary has been happening in Ukraine. The Ukrainians are defying the odds again. And before we talk more about Her Majesty or anything else, I just want to pay tribute to these Ukrainians because while we mourn our late Queen, Ukrainians are mourning their fathers, brothers, sisters and daughters every single day. And as we come together to remember what makes our country great, Ukrainians are fighting and dying just to make sure their country still exists, exists next year. Thousands of Ukrainians have been liberated this week in a massive sucker punch counterattack in the south and the east. It's been quite remarkable. Many said it couldn't be done. The Ukraine just didn't have the numbers, but in tanks from trenches with brute force and unimaginable bravery, the Russian flag has been torn down. Ukraine has taken back more than 2,000 square miles of its country. This is the biggest turning point in the war since Putin's invaders were battered away from Kyiv at the very start. And make no mistake, it's not the end. Nowhere near, but it does show yet again what remarkably resilient people these Ukrainians are, and it's crucial they can build up from a position of this new strength. So now more than ever, even though our thoughts are rightly here and our late great queen, we should remember 
We must continue to back Ukraine. We must give President Zelensky what he needs. The late Queen's coffin was carried to London today on the same RAF plane that's been used to deliver British weapons and British aid to Ukraine. Two very different services of duty, but both, I think, equally important. Joining me now to discuss that is in Ukraine is former US Secretary of Defence under President Trump, Mark Esper, and Chair of the House of Commons Defence Select Committee, Tobias Elwood. And here's my pack, uh, brilliant pack, Emily Adam, uh, from earlier. So thank you for rejoining me. Uh, Tobias Elwood, before we get to this, I just want to ask you, on the back of that last debate, this issue of Prince Harry and Andrew and whether they should be allowed to wear military uniforms during this week of, of events in memory of the Queen. What's your view of this? I don't have a, a strong view on that. My focus is on the transition and making sure that we give the King all the support uh, is provided. Some big decisions need to be made leadership-wise on Britain's place in the world. We have a new Prime Minister, a new King. There's an absence of leadership on the international stage. It's not really coming from America. We've been hesitant, uh, a little bit risk-averse across the West now. Uh, I just want to focus on making sure that we invest in our armed forces. And as you rightly point out, do not forget what is going on in Ukraine because it's moved into a very, very dangerous chapter. You're absolutely right to congratulate the Ukrainian forces. Uh, Putin uh, made a calculation that he thought the nation would collapse when he invaded. Uh, he was absolutely wrong there. But he was right on assuming that the West would sit on his hands, that the West would not want to get directly involved. We've left Ukraine to do the fighting. And now that there's been this massive surge, incredible advance, a counterattack by the Ukrainians, we must uh, not kid ourselves that somehow Putin is defeated. This is his worst setback as a president, politically and militarily. I suspect he's going to come out fighting and it could get very, very ugly indeed. All right, uh, uh, Dr Mark Esper, I mean, there's no doubt it could, but there's also no doubt that what has been happening in the last two or three days in Ukraine is quite extraordinary. No, that's right. And first of all, let me echo your comments about the Ukrainians. They have showed great skill and courage and, and grit in fighting the Russians in what I, on the front lines of what I think is the, is the autocracies versus democracies of the 21st century. So I think they've done an outstanding job. But you're right. The turnaround has been remarkable. They've, uh, they've shown great prowess on the battlefield. And look, I, Putin, is uh, his military has shown extreme weaknesses from top to bottom. And it's been a great strategic failure on a number of counts. The question is, can he, does he have any manpower and, and material left to really push back hard against the Ukrainians because it, they, they continue to de deplete uh, Russian combat capability? Right. I mean, Tobias, I just in uh, some news here. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky says 6,000 square kilometres of territory have now been seized back from Russian-occupied forces. That's a huge amount of territory that they've regained. And I've seen several uh, maps of that whole uh, southeast region, the Donbass, and you can just see great swathes of Ukrainian territory being taken back and Russians in apparent retreat. So they've got to, if they are going to retaliate in the way that you, you fear, they've got to get on with it, haven't they? Uh, yes, well, firstly, it's a pleasure to share a platform with my friend uh, uh, Mark. Uh, you're absolutely right to say how would this retaliation take place. This is a textbook deception, almost like uh, the D-Day landings when we were pretending to go to Calais, ended up in Normandy, and the Nazis had moved troops from Normandy up to Calais. You know, President Zelensky said he was going to Kyrgyzstan, down east of Odessa, ends up in the north near Kharkiv, and pushed through 30 uh, miles in, coming close to the Russian border. 
uh, and uh, the supply chains have collapsed. The Russian morale is depleted. Poor equipment, as we've been discussing, ammunition's running low and so forth. But I make it very, very clear, Putin is in this for the long game. This is part of a wider strategy that we must get our heads around. We've moved into a new era of insecurity. So what happens in Ukraine today, this month, indeed this year, is actually part of a wider tapestry of events that I think are going to unfold in front of us. He's meeting President Xi next week once again. His key ally on the international stage here, no doubt will ask him for support as well. Putin, this is his war of choice. He can't afford to lose it, and he's going to come out fighting. Don a final word to you on this. Do you think the Ukrainians can win this war? And can they win it quite quickly, given what has been going on? I absolutely, absolutely think they can win this war. Uh, it won't be done quickly. You know, they have, a, they have great momentum right now, but they have to be careful not to outrun their logistics and their ability to secure their lines of communication. At some point, the Russians will stop and dig in and, and defend. But uh, the broader strategic issues are there, as was just outlined, you know, uh, Putin is going to reach out to Xi Jinping, his uh, strategic partner. Uh, you see some rumblings today in, uh, in Armenia, where the Azerbaijanis are pushing against uh, Russian partners. Maybe we'll see something happen in Georgia, where there's another okay. frozen conflict. There's a much bigger geostrategic play here going on. You've got to leave it there. Dr. Esper and Tabazawa, thank you both very much indeed. Appreciate it. Quickly to the pact to your action. I mean, I mean this is, would normally be the leading the news, I think, this story. Understandably, it's been slightly relegated because of what's happening here but an extraordinary turn of events in Ukraine. And when I was there, the resilience from these people and determination not to give the Russians an inch was very palpable. It looks like they're carrying through on what they told me. Well, I think as both, both those experts pointed out, it is, it, this is a great moment to celebrate what they've done, but Putin remains a formidable opponent who ha can gather huge forces... Uh, to hit back at some point. But I think this has been an amazing thing for the Ukrainians' morale because yes. what's incredibly important is their morale stays up and the more wins they get, even if they get pushed back again or, it, you know, as you said, the war is not going to end any time soon, keeping that morale is absolutely bit, vital. It reminds me a bit, I mean, you know, Churchill's great quality was to persuade the British public that we could beat the Nazis, even when it appeared we hadn't got a chance. You feel that with Zelensky a little bit. I certainly do, that he has driven his people to a mindset where they, they believe they can win. Well, I think there's no doubt that Zelensky was the sort of unforeseen factor in all this mm. conflict, that he was seen as a bit of a joke figure because he'd been a television mm. actor and all the rest of it. And he has absolutely risen to the moment, proved himself a very skillful communicator, both to his own people and to the rest of the world, mm. and he survived. So I, I think all of that is very important and it's also important that he has come out with some very very strong statements against putin and effectively laid down the conditions that he would accept which are you know really saying get out of crimea and get out of ukraine i think it's going to be a fascinating few weeks now to see if they can keep this momentum going because if they do and the russians think they might be losing putin himself his, his own position may come into peril from his own side which yeah, is what many yeah, people the only hope thing happens. thing to worry about is it may be replaced by worse. Well, of course. More nationalist leader. And you can't keep not doing things because you think worse may happen. You've got to take them on at some stage, and I love what's happening at the moment. Well, coming next, the late Queen is at Buckingham Palace for the final time after being flown to London this evening. I'll talk to a pilot who used to fly the royal family around the world next.
Welcome back. My next guest, Graham Laurie, through the royal family around the world for more than 20 years, including flying the coffin of Princess Diana back after that horrible car crash in France in 1997. He joins me now. Thank you so much for coming in today. It must have brought back memories to you today. I was watching the coverage from yeah. Edinburgh Airport and I felt for the guys there. I mean, they've had probably three, four days to think about it. I had about... Uh, Eight hours. And how nerve-wracking is it when you're handed that kind of responsibility? It, it Well, I think because it's such a team effort, it involved, I mean, literally, our engineers, half an hour before we were due to take off, was the first we'd even thought about bringing the body back mm. because normally it would have come back day four. And, um, on you know, the op order said day four. And so they had to rush and change the fit of the... In fact, we changed the aircraft. It was easier. And, uh, but when you're, actually, when you're actually flying, Graham, something like the body of the Princess of Wales, mm. the most famous woman in the world, after this horrendous crash, which shocked the world, really, mm. what are you feeling as you're in the cockpit? I think, you know, the shock was the thing that day. I mean, it was with everybody. Um, the actual grief came later, I think, but... Um, you couldn't forget it. Every, when we got airborne from uh, Villa Cublay in Paris with the uh, coffin in the hold, every single air trafficker that we spoke to said, please pass on our condolences to the uh, Prince of Wales really? and, and go direct here. Well, we were trying to get the mm. timing right to arrive at 7 o'clock in the evening and uh, we managed it. Um, you, you flew 2,200 trips for the royal family, including the Queen, 90 times. Mm. When you heard the Queen had, had died, what were your feelings? Uh, very sad, obviously. Um, but what the immediate thing that came to me, how lovely, that two days before she was working hard, doing mm. what duty Her Majesty, the, the duty to the end. And I think the fact that it was then relatively quick, um, you know, I felt after all she had done for this country, mm. that was probably the way she would have liked to have gone. And, and you were King Charles's personal pilot. Mm. How do you feel he's doing as king? Early days. But what when do you think? I saw that speech he made mm. on Friday evening, I thought, there, that's how he's going mm. to be. And I think he's going to do a splendid job. As people are all saying about the long apprenticeship. But, it's true, though, isn't you it? know, he, mm. he's, let's face it, all the government papers have been going through him for 50 years. Mm. So he knows exactly how the country's run and what happens. You know, there's nothing new that you ought to be able to teach him there. Mm. And he's had plenty of time to just think about what's going on. There was to one happen. little uh, detail of, of what happened after uh, you flew back Diana's uh, coffin. Is you remember being invited to see Charles at Highgrove two days later, and the first thing he asked you was how you and your family were coping. Yes, in fact, that was when I'd um, had the site incident at Islay, not when I flew the process oh. back. But, yes, that again shows the man he was. We got this phone call at 8 o'clock in the morning from the police post at Highgrove. The Prince of Wales would like to speak to you in uh, half an hour. Mm. He came on the phone, first question, how are your wife and family coping? With all the press coverage, mm. obviously. And, um, you know, I, I eventually took the rap for that. Quite rightly, because I was captain of the aircraft, he did exactly as he was told by me that day. It says a lot about him, I think, and uh, thank you very much for your recollections. Greatly appreciated. Well, that's it for tonight. Thank you very much, Emily, Adam. I appreciate it. We'll be back tomorrow night. That's it from me tonight. And the Queen is tonight back at Buckingham Palace for her last night ever at that great palace for this great monarch. Good night.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.